Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, a warm welcome to all of you listening at home. (laughs) We're glad you couldn't make it. Part three of uh, the Waymaker series, encourage you if this is your first time jumping on, either here in the church or or, um, listening to the podcast, please do listen to the first two parts. We're talking about making way for God. Often, God is perceived to be the one making the way. He makes the way um, for us, but also as part of this series, We're thinking about ways in which we should be making room for him. That we are the way makers as well uh, from this certain point of view. And um, part three today is called Making Your Mind Up. Where we're going to talk about uh, making room uh, for God. Making room for God's uh, influence on us in terms of our decision-making processes. How many decisions do you think you will make today? According to those who know things, not sure how they know, you will make 17,000 decisions today. One of them is whether to continue listening to me now. Some people on the podcast have already turned this off. (laughs) And I bless you in the name of the Lord. Not that you'll hear it. 17,000 decisions apparently we make. From whether to have, you know, poached egg or scrambled egg. To whether to go to the loo now or prolong the agony. You know, whatever we're going to do. 17,000 decisions. And of course, men are really poor at making decisions, which means that you women are making way more than 17,000 in order for the averages to work out, you know. And I'll say to the men, as I say to myself, not making a decision is, of course, a decision in itself. (laughs) So we're still up there, you know. And I guess we want to ask ourselves, speaking now as a Christian to other Christians as a disciple to other disciples, how are we going to make sure that we make good decisions? How are we going to make sure that we make the God decisions? And I guess I want to begin by asking you whether or not you're in the the Doris Day school of thinking or in the Ancient of Days school of thinking. Doris Day... Uh, for those of you who uh, were born a little earlier than others, you'll know who I mean. When I was just a little girl, what shall I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera. It's no Pentecostal favorite. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Wonderful. 
That's a good reason to listen to this podcast at home, isn't it? <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. Here's what I say. Rubbish. That's not true. Whatever will be, will be. No, no. What does the Lord say? Choose you this day. Often a lot of preaching talks about how God's got some great plan for you and, and how, you know, destiny is before you. Well, I guess that's true. But in order for me to reach my destiny, which is a destination, it means I'm going to have to make some good decisions along the way. Can you say amen? amen. So I'm not going to arrive at my destination by accident many times. I'm going to arrive there by decision. Everyone understand? So you've got to make the right decisions in order to end up at the right destiny. Certain things haven't happened. Listen to me carefully. Certain things haven't happened that should have happened. And uh, that's, not, that's not philosophical. Jesus said, woe to you. Uh, 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 various cities now I want to think of what they were. Woe to you, because if the miracles that were done, Tyre and Sidon, were done with you, they would have repented long ago. Chorazin is the name. If the miracles done here were done there, they would have done this, is what he says. In other words, listen to me carefully, Jesus knows the hypotheticals. You can guess the hypotheticals. Well, if I'd only done this, then I... But you don't really know that. But he does know that. And there is such a thing, even in the, in the realm of the kingdom of God, as if this happened, then that should happen. And if this doesn't happen, then that won't happen. <coughs> and this is quite tricky for us to get our, our minds around because we tend to come from a K-Sira-Sira school of thought. There are people who believe in fate, aren't there? Whatever will be, will be. A couple of days ago, I was at Britain's Got Talent. Really, yes. In the audience, I hasten to add. <laughs> I can exclusively reveal that Ant is back with Deck. I've seen it with my own eyes. No, no, I went to a recording of it down at the London Palladium. I get around, you know, <laughs> especially if it's free. <laughs> and um, so I was there. And, of course, you all know the Britain's Got Talent or the X Factor School of Thought, which is, well, you know, they don't get through. Well, they console themselves to the camera. It just wasn't meant to be. If I'm supposed to get through, I will. No, I don't think that's quite how it works, is it, really? If you have a good singing voice, you're going to get through. It's not rocket science, is it? If you are actually a good dancer, you might get through. If you hopelessly throw yourselves around the stage, as some did the other day. I, I, I can, let me give you another scoop. There's a singing Dalek in the new series. And all I'll say is he's the best Dalek that they saw that day. But whether he got through... I'll, I'll leave that as a mystery. The point I'm making is, people can sort well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And, and, of course, that's not really true. Because then what happens is, those very people, they go to Alpha, they become Christians, 
They might be sitting in this church today or listening to me online and they're Christians, but their view of God is really just fate. Well, if God wants it, it'll happen. That kind of thing. And this is quite complicated because there's no doubt that there are certain ways in which God is absolutely sovereign over certain things. But actually, it seems to me, even from reading the Bible, there's a whole lot of other areas where it's really about, well, what am I going to do? And if I do the right thing, if I obey his voice, if I do what I'm told to do, then all sorts of fruit will come as a result of that. But that begins, everyone understand, that begins with my decision rather than God's, you know. So if this, then that. And so the point I'm making is this. It means then that what's required of us is to be smart, is to make the right decisions, to hear the voice of the Lord and to obey it, making room for the release of his goodness in the earth because, because we've obeyed. Not be, just because he's decreed it. And I'm going to unpack this for the next half an hour. Um, Second Peter chapter 1. And I want to read from verse 16. Where <coughs> Peter is Peter's reflecting on what I think is the matter of transfiguration. So that day when the Peter, James, and John went up the mountain, you may remember, and Jesus is transfigured before them and God speaks. And so that's the narrative we read over in the, in the Gospels. Here's Peter's diary entry, if you like, regarding that event. And we're going to notice something, and maybe you've never noticed this before. If you have, let it be a reminder. Peter says this, verse 16, everyone with me say aye. Okay, we do not follow, or we did not follow, Cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love, with him. I am well pleased. We ourselves, Peter says, heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. But look at verse 19. And. So he's talked about this amazing experience where they, they heard the audit, had they had an iPhone, they could have recorded it, right? They heard the actual voice of God. But then he goes on to make this incredible comment. And he says, we have the word of the prophets, verse 19, made more certain. Here we have completely Reliable. King James, more sure word of prophecy. Now, he's talking about the scriptures, as we'll, as we'll see in verse 20, you see. 
Look at verse 20. Above all, you must understand, no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. He's not talking, when he talks about prophecy now, he's not going to talk about the kind of prophecy we might hear in church now. He's talking about that which was written by the prophets and put in the Bible. The prophecy of Scripture. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God, verse 21, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This wonderful analogy that the apostle uses here of of a, a nautical metaphor, sailing, where a sail is filled with wind and it carries the boat along. Uh, this is what Luke means when he thinks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't think about being filled uh, with the Spirit, so that, almost like a glass of water filling up and filling up. It's, it, it, it's not that. It's, it's the filling that a sail might have that then moves it to do something, you see. So, so people say to you, are you Spirit-filled? And you want to go, well, you know, I'm about, I suppose I'm, I'm probably at about, four, you know, 45%, you know, you, th- you, know, you think of your, of your battery on your phone, you know, I don't know how filled I am. Or whether it means, did you speak in tongues in 1987? <laughs> That's normally what it can mean too. Now here, uh, here we're talking about the prophets who wrote the scriptures being moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the amazing thing. Watch this. Here's the amazing thing. Peter says that the scripture, listen, is more sure than his own experience with the audible voice of God. That's extraordinary. In other words, what you've got in your hand now is more powerful than if you were on the mountain and you heard the voice of God yourself. It's a shame we don't read it, isn't it? But, you know, there you are. And so here we have kind of two ways in which God is said to speak. One is this special encounter that we just read about. So where God's, you know, spoke on the mountain. And so you, you have, let's go over to the, the next slide along here, where you have the, the kind of the special encounter of God. And, and today, I guess we might think of that as God maybe speaks to you in a dream, speaks to you specifically. Uh, uh, someone calls you out and prophesies over you. Where you have some sort of special moment where you go home and say, wow, this happened to me today. Now, there are some, there are some downsides with it. Let's have a look at this next slide. There, there are some downsides with it because while it's exciting and dynamic, I mean, everyone loves it when the pastor calls you out and says, I've got something to say. Oh, hallelujah. What have you got to say? Move your car. <laughs> so well, it can be exciting. But would you agree with me that this kind of thing is open to great misunderstanding sometimes? People hear what they want to hear. You understand? People hear what they want to hear. Someone's desperate to get married and they're just hoping that maybe this is the one. So someone prophesies that suddenly, behold, I shall give you the desires of your heart. Said nothing about marriage, nothing about, nothing about you, nothing about yours life, but oh, I'm going to get the desires of my heart. Thank you, Lord. 
The problem is sometimes the desires of our hearts stink to high heaven. <laughs> and we sh- perhaps shouldn't get them. And so sometimes people go home and say, oh, God spoke to me. I'm definitely marrying Craig. <laughs> you know, Craig don't know nothing about it, but, but you got a word from Brother Dingling on TBN. Because you heard what you wanted to hear. Am I, am I telling the truth? Of course I am. Of course I am. I mean, these things happen. Then you end up in a terrible marriage. Well, God, you told me to marry him. <laughs> so it's open to... People say, well, I, you know, God told me. And here's the truth. Many times it's much better to talk about God speaking to you retrospectively. Because at the time, you didn't know what was happening. Then afterwards, well, God clearly showed me to move to Nottingham. But at the time, you're going, oh, I can't sell me out, so I don't know what I'm doing. It's much easier to tell the story backwards. But it's very hard when you are living forwards, listening to someone telling their story backwards. Seems like they were more certain than they really are. Everyone understand what I mean? So you get this scenario and self-serving, emotional interference, people wanting what's good for them. So sometimes this can be a very difficult way uh, to hear from the Lord. I feel I've got a word for someone today. The Lord wants you to give away all your money by six o'clock. Now, how many of you thought, nah? Nah. The Lord's calling someone here to martyrdom. Um, oh, I think it might be me. Someone once said, is there a gift of martyrdom? I said, well, if there is, you ain't going to use it more than once. <laughs> and then there's the scripture. So there's the, there's the voice of God. There's the exciting. There's the prophetic. There's the prophets at work. There's, and of course, these things are real and they're in the Bible and they really do happen. We're not taking anything away from that. But then there's the more sure. Right? There's Phil Shore. <laughs> and there's more sure. Right? And he would say, I meant to that. Louder than anyone here. And some of you need to move away from Philshaw and move to Morshaw. Yeah, you do. Because he's brilliant. But there's, there's Morshaw. Which is you having a good and godly and wonderful relationship with your own Bible. Here I've uh, thought of one or two Things, of course, the Bible can be mistaught. It can be misunderstood. Is that right? People don't really know the context, and so I won't open that up now this afternoon. But there's all manner of ways in which people can misread the Bible, treat it like a code book, and, and go to it really no different to if you were going to your horoscope from years ago. Trying to find a word for today. You know. And making mistakes. 
I always love it when people mark their Bible with these felts. I often wonder, I wonder what verse they're highlighting on the other side of the page. Like the guy who wanted to send something beautiful in a, in a wedding uh, card. And uh, wanted to write in a wedding card, First uh, John 4, and I forget the verse now where it says, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so they wrote it in, except they missed off the one. And they were writing John 4, whatever the verse is, which the identical verse is this. You have had five husbands. <laughs> and the man you have now, he's not your husband. You can check that out, John. That's absolutely, that does work. Yeah, we can get the Bible wrong. That's why we need teachers. Right? That's why we need teachers. Not just the Holy Spirit now, but actual teachers who understand it. Anyway, I want to give these two forms of the way we hear from God just a, just a very simple set, set of words. Number one would be, would be prompting, where God moves upon when God speaks to you it's special to you it is supernatural prompting and the other is principle prompting and principle principle is I'm not being prompted but boy oh boy there's so much in this Bible I've already got the script in me I don't need to be prompted from the wings at least not all the time. You know what a prompt is, don't you, in the theatre when some, an actor dries up there like they, they don't know their line. And a prompt in the, in the wings or under the stage, you know, shouts out the line to them. Now that might happen occasionally. But how many of you know if an actor needs the prompt to be constantly feeding them the lines, it's time for them to be fired from the theatre. And similarly, as we grow in our relationship with God, I want to suggest to you today that we should live our lives much more by principle than by prompting. That's not to say that there's no such thing as prompting, but it's much more likely that, that we are to, uh, the, in terms of Christian maturity, that we're supposed to operate on the basis of of having the word of Christ dwell in us richly. As opposed to having the Holy Spirit as our personal genie and guru to keep telling us what to do. Now there is a third P which we won't cover today, but of course it fits with the, if you wanted to have three, here's the third one, the third one's pleasure. Because most people make decisions based purely upon pleasure. What would be better for me? You've been offered a promotion. I'll take it. What is it? I don't care. Is it more money? Yes. I'll do it. <laughs> you know, and, or uh, there's opportunity for you to uh, have some great new work or, or, or some great new opportunity. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because we, we tend to be motivated by pleasure. 
human heart is wicked above all things. Isn't that right? Where I used to work, there used to be a sign up uh, close to my office, a beautiful canvas. It said, just go with your heart. And every time I saw it, I thought, no way. <laughs> Sounds great. Utter, utter, terrible theology. Go with my heart? Really? My heart? Think of the murders there'd be. <laughs> my heart? No, sir. Go with the word of God. Amen. Principle, prompting, and pleasure. So this is, at the time of recording, we're at the beginning, sort of the beginning of a new year. This year you're going to make thousands of decisions. And two or three of them are going to be important ones. Now we better get those right, aren't we? Which means that we're going to have to be careful about making decisions based upon pleasure. Because pleasure is not the same as purpose. And sometimes to seek pleasure, Judas sought the pleasure of 30 pieces of silver that took him out of his purpose. And there are certain, I mean, all that glitters is not gold. Can I use another expression? All that glitters is not God. Satan took Jesus up on a high place and he showed him everything. He said, you can have all of this. You, there's, a, there's a deal, you have to worship me. But you can have all of this. That was a, listen to me, that was a satanic temptation. It was not a blessing. I want to just say to you, God doesn't want me to have all of anything. Because that would destroy me. To have everything I want is similar to, in that story, to worshipping the devil. Having everything I want. I'm not supposed to have everything I want. Uh, so I've got to be smart. I've got to be sharp and I've got to be wise. Here's, here's what the epistle of James says. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God. What we find among charismatic Pentecostal people is that they're quite keen to get words. Well, I need a word. Do you? Yes. All right. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> Oh, that's marvel. Thank you, Lord. Go and see if I can find an interpreter. Oh, I need a word. No, but no, but you don't need a word. You need the word. And out of the word, you're going to find wisdom to make your decisions. I mean, I know that it's very popularly preached, but we, we need to put Jesus Driving the, we need, we need to put him in the driving seat. Jesus has got to be in the driving seat. If only that were true for the Duke of Edinburgh. But <laughs> Jesus has got to be in the driving seat. Too soon. His bodyguard was 75 with him. I think. That's going to be a lot of good. 
We need to put Jesus in the driving seat. And I understand that. I know what we mean by that. But Jesus Christ is going to flow through you. You're the one who's going to have to actually decide. Let's come to the next slide and look at some of the the kinds of things. You're the one who's going to actually decide whether to put the house up for sale or not, aren't you? You're unlikely to have Jesus appear in your bathroom tonight. Now's the time. And here, there are a few estate agents you shouldn't use. And he unravels a giant scroll. (laughs) So just looking at one or two of these. Who should I marry? Should I change my job? Should I move house? I've been hurt and offended. What, What church should I be at? These just one or two questions. Things that, by and large, perhaps with the exception of being hurt and offended, you don't have an exact verse for. Everyone understand? Who should I marry? I mean, unless you take the verse, you shall go out with joy, literally. (laughs) Boy, I mean, if you're a Christian and you're called joy, you want to thank God every day. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) There's a girl called Joy in a Bible college. Each day you hear her singing around the corridors, you know. Count your blessings, count them one by one. Yeah. No, but we, you understand what I mean? You don't really have a verse for it. You don't have, you don't have a verse for who should I marry. You, you, but what you do have is you have some principles in the word of God. Right? You have verses that help you with this. You have... Uh, Uh, all manner of, uh, I'll call it advice, but of course it's much more than that. It's God's word. But but at the time, at least in the New Testament, written in the form of advice and guidance. So who should I marry? So it's not really about having a a special word from the Lord. It's, It's not about having a giant hand come down through the ceiling and point at someone, is it? It's about you making your mind up and working out, is this the sort of person, is this the sort of person that really fits the criteria of the word of God? And listen, I know we all have things that are wrong with us, so we're not talking here about, about perfection, but at least there's somewhere to start. There's somewhere to start. Should I change my job? See, and here's where a scenario can kind of kick in where it can seem like a good idea at the time. But it's, maybe it's not a prophecy that you need. Maybe it's wisdom that you need. Wisdom from the scriptures. A few years ago, Jane and I and a few Mattersy students, we went on a mission to Spain. Now, uh, I say this carefully because I realize I'm saying something a little bit controversial. But I also know where these people are. The Wi-Fi is not so good, and so they're not likely to download this. Not on the Amstrads. But, But... we went there and, and we found, we were preaching in the church. And by the way, these aren't Spanish people. These were English people who'd gone abroad. El Dorado. 
So, so these are people who had, who had gone abroad, who, who in the middle of Wigan had suddenly thought, I love the Costa Brava. And they had the opportunity to go to Spain. They told it, and all their friends were jealous. Oh, you're going to Spain? Oh, I wish I was going to Spain. They're showing them the temperatures. Oh, you know, and they're getting all the swimwear out. Oh, we're off to Spain. So we went to preach. I don't know how many churches we visit. Ten or less, eight, I don't know. But we visited all load of these over a week or so. And it was just full of depressed British expats fumbling around trying to get BBC. <laughs> right? They couldn't watch Morse anymore. Doctor Who was John Pertwee. I mean, they're, 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 <laughs> I'm getting on, aren't I? But, but there they were because back in Slough, they thought to themselves, oh, the sun, it's nice. We've got enough money. When they got there, what, what, they had no friends. They wouldn't learn Spanish. So they had to mingle with other British people. Who wants to mingle with British people <laughs> in Spain? But worse still, there were no churches. I mean, there were, but they were just full of English people. And the guy with the biggest Bible, he was put in charge. And he's up there on Sunday preaching from the maps. They were all depressed. Claiming the powers of darkness were surrounding them. I said, no, no, they're just Spanish neighbors. <laughs> anyway, here's my point. My point was, they thought, oh, it would be wonderful. But they hadn't thought about everything. And, you know, I feel for them. And we tried to encourage them. But here was a scenario where I don't think God called all these people to go and live in the in the Spanish wilderness. Seemed like a good idea. Move, maybe by pleasure. But there's got to be a better reason to go to Spain than you look good in a sombrero hat. And none of them did. <laughs> so some people take, take promotions, but by taking the promotion, it's just taking them away from their mum and their dad. Right? Or, or it's... So they got more money, but they're not, they're not more happy. And there isn't the kind of church that they had back home. You know, and all those things happen. Now, now, can I say, sometimes we have no choice in this. No choice. Did you know that even the Christmas story is all about no choice? The government tell Mary and Joseph, go to Bethlehem. The government tell them that. We, we have to have a census. Caesar Augustus. Wants to see how many Facebook friends he's got, really. What's my tally of people? So they, everyone had to be counted. And the way they did it was they sent everyone back home. What an incredible thing to do. They sent everyone back home. The government made a decree. Totally unpopular, I'm sure, no doubt. 
how unpopular that was. Michael Gove would have made a big speech about that. But there they all were, going back. But what was happening was God's will was happening. God used the decree of the government to put Mary and Joseph in the right place to fulfill prophecy. It's incredible. It's incredible, you see. So what looked like a nightmare and a load of bureaucracy was actually the theocracy of God at work. He was, he was outworking his purposes. So, so sometimes it's true in life's ways, we don't really have much choice. But there are plenty of times when we do. And I want to throw this in. I'm about to finish, but I, I want to throw this in. Sometimes people ask this question, Lord, what is your will? Please will you show me your will? Very often we, we come to a T-junction where we can go either left or right. And it's those big decisions, often about lots of money or lots of time or relationships. Should I marry? All those sorts of things. They're huge decisions. Don't you know that bending down on one knee and getting out the ring, that's just the hinge. And it swings an enormous door. Right? Deciding to leave work might seem like something very small, like a small hinge, but it's about to swing a big door. So we have to get the hinges right as best as we can. As best as we can. Let me, let me just show you something. Let me, what do you, have a look in your Bible in Acts 15 in a minute. Acts 15. Principle, prompting, and pleasure. You could add a fourth P if you want, purpose, but, but um, in Acts 15, here's just a very simple way. In which, uh, I, just, I just want to show you that Paul applied these sorts of principles, sometimes prompted, but mostly living by principle. Sometimes we might call it common sense, except that common sense, as we know, is not as common as we like to think, is it? Verse 36 of Acts 15 says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, that's an enormous, that's massive, that. There's just just one line in your Bible. But that's like, let's go for a trip thousands of miles. It's going to take months. Why don't we do that? And you know, there's no sense that God told him this. There's no sense that the Spirit said, this is what you now have to do. No sense of that. Now that may be true, but Luke doesn't tell us that. So you get the impression that Paul decides... Here's a great idea. We planted some churches. We can't email them because that was at least 20 years off being invented. So we'd better go and visit them. You remember the days when if you wanted to talk to someone, you actually had to talk to them. You remember that? You remember that? You remember that when you had a phone that actually phoned people? 
Do you remember that? Anyway, so, anyway, here we go. They decide. Because, because it's a good principle. We planted the churches, we better go and water them. And so they discuss it. Barnabas wanted to take John, Mark, but 38. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him. Oh, so it wasn't divine. He just didn't think it was wise. Now, they have a bit of a spat about this, but that's not my point. My point is that Paul used his own wisdom, whether it was good or bad on that occasion. We could all, we could all have a chat about it. But, but he thought he was wise. It's not divine revelation. It's principle. And so they go off in different directions. I think they probably defriend each other on social media. And she's <coughs> the most violent thing a Christian can do. And they go through Syria and Cilicia, the strengthening the churches. They come to Derby, then to Lystra. Are you still with me in Acts 16? We've, we've, we've jumped into another chapter now. This is, this is radical Bible study. And then look at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, let me just help you with a bit of geography. They are in Asia. It's not that they can't get into Asia because of border control. Right? They've not been caught by the backstop. They are in Asia. I don't know. By the way, I don't know what that even means. And neither do you. So stop. Don't look at me in that Cambridge tone of voice. So there they are. There they are. There they are. I did that, so they'll have to cut that out. Um, I might blow my nose in a minute just to make sure. So, so there they are. And they're in Asia. They're not, not in, they are in Asia, but they've been kept from preaching there. Can you imagine what it would be like to be on mission with Paul? Guys, we're going to Asia. Hallelujah. This is the Asia mission. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm on mission with Paul. We're going to preach in Asia. I've got my book here. Asian phrases. Here it is. Here's Asian for repent, you ugly thing. <laughs> Next one. I love you. <laughs> Next one. Where's the bank? There they all are on mission with Paul. Asia, Asia, Asia. We're going to take Asia for Jesus. Da, 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 da. Guys, uh, just a bit of a change of plan. Uh, we're not going to preach in Asia. <laughs> but we're going to Bithynia, lads. Woo, you want to see what happens when we get to Bithynia. I've had a vision. The glory of God's going to fall. I've seen thousands come to Christ in Bithynia. Oh, yeah, let's go to Bithynia. Hip, hip, hooray. So here we go. Verse 7. So they came to the border of Mysia, and they tried to enter Bithynia. <laughs> but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. <laughs> Bithynia. We'll have to wait another day. There they are stopped at the border. There they can't get through. 
He ought to say, Paul, should we really be following you? Are you really a credible apostle? What? Are we marched him up to the top of the hill and he marched us down again? It's happening and it isn't happening. Who are you? The British Prime Minister? I mean, what's going on right there? And then, verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision. Anyone who said, Paul, please don't have any more visions. Please. Just sleep, man. We're going home. Got Les Miserables on ketchup. Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. Come and help us. Come to Macedonia and help us. And so they go. And when they get there, you you remember that man from Macedonia? You remember that man who's the convert? Lydia. Strangest looking man Paul ever saw in any vision. Be careful even of a real prophetic word to maybe not take every detail of it. Anyway. That's another message. It's a good one, though. Here we have an example. I promise I'm finishing. But here we have an example, you see, of a principle and prompting. It's a good principle to plant churches. It's a good principle to visit them. It's a good principle to preach in Asia. But every now and then, the Holy Spirit really can interrupt our plans. Every now and then, the Holy Spirit really can maybe speak to us to do something that seems unusual. It doesn't seem to fit the normal pattern. But let me remind you of this. In the life of Jesus, God spoke to him in this extraordinary way three times. At his baptism, had a transfiguration, and later on in Gethsemane. Three times. A highly Now, there may have been other moments of which we're not aware, especially in the Gospel of John. There's inference of it. But generally, God spoke to him three times. How is it that most Pentecostals feel that God has spoken to them three times before their 11 o'clock coffee? (laughs) But Jesus, who you are not, (laughs) nowhere near, 30 years of life, more, three times. So, Does God not speak there? Absolutely. But only when we really need it. Like the prompt. We're supposed to know the script. We're supposed to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. I'm going to invite the band to come back as I give you one more verse to think about before we pray. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. And I want to suggest to you today, it's time for an upgrade. You ever have that thing come through on your phone where it tells you it's time to update? Mature Christians I've put here need to upgrade, up, upgrade. Mature Christians need to upgrade to the latest spiritual 
operating system. Making choices based on scriptural principle rather than spiritual prompting and certainly not based on self-serving pleasure. You're going to make a whole load of decisions. Some of them are small but insignificant. Others are small but hinges to bigger things. We've got to get those right if we can. And sometimes maybe God will be gracious to you and speak to you directly. But that may not be the normal thing that happens. The normal thing that happens is you know your Bible and you outwork its principles. You don't ask the question, what is thy will? You ask the question, what would be a good and godly decision? Can I say that again? You don't ask the question, what is thy will? That's that's not a bad question. But an even better question is, what would be a good and godly decision? Which, by the way, is the same thing. Most times anyway. Jeremiah 31, 33. I'll put my law in their minds. Jeremiah speaking actually of the new covenant here. The experience of all Christians, that is how it is applied in the New Testament. I'll put my law in their minds. Write it on their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. God wants to put his... His, his law, his word in your mind, on your heart. So you're going to come to some decisions this year. Well, you're going to know what to do. Has God spoken to you? Well, he, he spoke thousands of years ago. I've read it. And when we come to those T-junctions this year, especially when we've been there a while and now there's three cars behind us and we got to go left or right. We want to pray that God will guide us. It's time to make your mind up. And be a way maker. Let's stand. Thank you for listening online. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church. Or to access our large archive of other recordings. Go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes. We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.